the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we're in a series of messages that we're calling Grounded in Christ, Growing in Christ, where we're exploring the mission, vision, and core convictions of our church, focusing on the centrality of Christ in word and in our lives. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. We're working through our mission and our vision and our core convictions as a church. And so today, we're going to be talking about what it is that our mission is as a church. And we're going to be seeing from a wide section of the scriptures where these things come from that direct us as a congregation. And so our church mission statement, the gospel of Jesus Christ, compels us to worship, serve, and learn about God. And by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel to our community and to the world. I'm going to read that one more time. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship, serve, and learn about God. And by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel to our community and to the world. We're going to make our way through this to understand what it is that makes us a congregation. We're going to start with the very first part of that, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that's talked about there. And so the question for us is this, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? If somebody were to ask you, what is the gospel? You keep telling me that I should be somebody that that believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. How would you answer that question? This is important because all of us should know the gospel that we believe. What is the gospel? Well, the the gospel of Jesus Christ, let's just put that first one up there. No, not, let's just go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just that top one right there. There we go. The gospel of Jesus Christ can be said in a few different ways. Some people put it this way, God saves sinners. God saves sinners. Other people put it this way, they describe it in terms of the mystery of the faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Sometimes if people talk about what the gospel is, they'll give John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. 
One of my favorite verses for understanding the gospel is from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 6, because in it, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6 says this, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Do you see what Paul is saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Do you see what we're being told what the gospel is? He says that Jesus died, just like the scripture said that he would, that he was buried, that Jesus rose again on the third day, just like the scripture said he would, and then he appeared to people to prove the fact that he had died and then been raised from the dead. The good news contained in scripture is that God is the one who does the saving. Whenever someone asks you what the gospel is, use language that makes God the saver, God the active one, language about how God saves, how Jesus saves. Sometimes if you were to ask people what the gospel is, they will say, love God, love neighbor. But my friends, that is not the gospel. That is a summary of the law. That's a description of the law. The gospel is that we are saved by God's work and not by our own. We as a church, in humility, acknowledge that we are a people who need to be saved. And Jesus Christ is a great savior. That requires some humility from us to acknowledge, you know what, I'm the sort of person that has to be saved. I'm not the sort of person that can save myself. I'm somebody that needs the Lord Jesus to be active in saving me. That requires some humility. It requires an honest assessment of self apart from God, that we are people who must be saved, who need to be saved. And it requires a high view of God. God must save, and God alone. We need saving, and Jesus saves. That's the gospel message for us. And this gospel, this saving work of our God in Christ Jesus, this is the motivation for all things in the Christian life. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us. Now here is the logic of our passage this morning. You have been saved, therefore act like you have been saved. You have been redeemed, therefore act like a redeemed person. Let me read Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14 again. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under under grace. Romans 6 has this gospel logic embedded in it. Present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Do you see the way that this passage is instructing us? It's saying, you have been saved. 
So live like that. You have been redeemed, so live like that. You have been brought from death to life, not by your own work, but by the work of a gracious Savior. So present yourself to the Lord God as someone who has been redeemed. Show yourself to be someone who has been redeemed. This is the logic of the Christian life. You have been saved, not by your own work, so start living like you're a saved person. You've been redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, let that grace motivate you to trust and to follow and to serve and to walk in the way that Jesus calls us to walk. This is the key to the Christian life. Be who you are. Don't allow the world. Don't allow your own flesh. Don't allow the devil to dictate the way that you live. You are one of God's own. So live like God's own. This requires humility. And this requires a big vision of God. Don't you want to develop a bigger vision of who God is? Don't you want to see how great he is in his salvation and in his redemption? Don't you want to realize that it's his saving work that motivates our entire life? I love the way that the hymn speaks of this, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. I think this is the second verse from Beneath the Cross of Jesus. We're told, Upon that cross of Jesus my eyes at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. And from my smitten heart with tears, two wonders I confess, the wonders of redeeming love, and my unworthiness. This is why we live Christian lives. Because of the wonders of redeeming love and our unworthiness. Because God has redeemed, we are motivated to follow after him. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ which motivates all of Christian life. And the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship. Now worship is the ultimate goal of every human life. The ultimate goal of every life is to worship God, to enjoy God, to glory in him forever. And it's the thrust of the scriptures. You can take a look with me or you can listen in to the words of Psalm 86 verses 8 through 13. Here's what Psalm 86, 8 to 13 says. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and shall worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You see what the psalmist says there? That here is the thrust of history. That there will come a time where every single nation bows in worship to the Lord God. There will come a time where every person comes to the realization that God is God and God alone. And at that time, every nation will bend the knee before the one who created all things. Every nation will lift up their voice and will proclaim that God is God and that Jesus is the one who saves. 
the goal of every human life and the point to which all of human history is moving is the time in which every nation will bow and glorify the name of God. And these words are fulfilled in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 verses 11 through 14 tell us this. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Today's message in our Grounded in Christ, Growing in Christ series will continue in just a moment. We wanted to let you know that you can download a copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask absolutely free when you visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to past messages of this radio program. This radio ministry is supported by gifts from listeners like you. To support this ministry, you can give a gift of any amount when you visit groundedandgrowingradio.com and click on the Give a Gift button. We appreciate your support as we share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now we continue with today's message from Pastor Derek on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Psalm 86 points to that portion of Scripture that's realized in Revelation chapter 5, at which every single creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, all of them acknowledge and worship God. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And all of heaven and earth falls down and worships the Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what this is telling us? It's telling us that we're going to worship whether we like it or not one day. And it's telling us that if you are a Christian, you must be a worshiper. You must be. There is no option for us other than to be a worshiper. We are a worshiping people. And we come together, and the purpose of our coming together is worship, because as those who have been redeemed, not by our own work, but redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, we realize this is the goal of our entire life, to return thanks and praise to him who has given us everything, the one who has redeemed and saved and forgiven us. This is the goal of our lives, and this is, this is our, our deepest heart cry, too. It can become obscured by other things, but at the very core of who the Christian is, it's one who says, I want to stand in the presence of God and simply worship him. This isn't, this isn't telling us the style in which we can worship. It is telling us we must be a worshiper. And this looks different for different people. Sometimes people who worship, they become silent because they are struck by the awe of who God is. Sometimes worshiping people are struck with awe at who God is. And so they raise their hands in praise or they, they start to dance or they start to move or they shout, start to shout or they start to sing. In each case, it's, it's being struck by the glory of God and then returning thanks and giving him glory for who he is because he alone is good, he alone is mighty, he alone is majestic, and he alone is worthy of worship. We are a people who have been redeemed to worship. The gospel of Jesus compels us to worship. And the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to serve as well. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship and to 
serve. Here again, the Bible is clear about why it is that we serve. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 makes this crystal clear for us. I'm going to read to us from Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Do you see the gospel logic here in in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 again? You have been set free. You have been redeemed from slavery by Christ and his grace alone, and you have been called to freedom. How should you use that freedom? You should use it to serve. You should use it to serve. My parents, when I was younger, wanted for us to learn about service. They wanted all their kids to learn about service. And so they did something that sticks with me to this very day. One Thanksgiving, we went to church on Thanksgiving morning. And then instead of having a Thanksgiving dinner as a family, we, uh, my parents decided that we would go to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, which was the homeless shelter, the largest homeless shelter in Milwaukee. Their executive director preached for us a couple of weeks ago for, for two weeks. We went to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission for Thanksgiving. We served some of the homeless of Milwaukee at Thanksgiving dinner rather than having one ourselves. And it was awesome. It was so great. I loved it. I loved it. And after we had served everyone, the people who had been working in the kitchen, they gave us some of the food that was left over and we ate together. And that was our Thanksgiving meal in a homeless shelter in Milwaukee with one other family that has also given their time to serve over the, over the Thanksgiving day. And I, I remember very distinctly, despite the fact that I was a middle school, middle school student, I remember very distinctly this other family because they were a family that was really radically committed to service and to giving. They were talking about how they became Christians And they were impressed immediately with the need to serve because they were Christians. And so they told us that they had been living in a big house and they sold that large house and they moved into a smaller house so that they could give the money to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission. And then they intentionally made sure that their schedule had time in it regularly to go and to serve the homeless of Milwaukee. They said, we have been saved. We have been redeemed despite the fact that we did nothing. And we've been saved to serve. We talked about that on the way home, my parents instructing their kids. Isn't that a beautiful testimony of Christian faith, my dad said. Isn't that something we're called to, to serve? If you are redeemed, then you are called to serve as well. You know, there's a whole bunch of different ways that you and I can serve Just within our church, there are so many different ways you could teach Sunday school or volunteer in the nursery or serve cookies and coffee and lemonade and clean up after. You could partner with the orphan ministry here at church throughout the year and particularly as they head to the orphanage we're partnered with each winter. You could join with Adult Serve and help build a house. You can help make and serve meals for college students. You can join in when we put together Christmas baskets and give to them, give them to families who are in need around Christmas time. You could be a cadet counselor. You could help lead gems or youth group. You could pray whenever you see something come across the prayer update. You can be an usher on Sunday mornings. You could lead a small group, but you're called to serve if you are a Christian. And you're called to learn. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship, serve, and learn. Here, let me direct our attention to the Bible once again. I'm going to read from 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. 
Here's what 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8 says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promise, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the gospel logic of this passage of scripture. God has given us everything. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's called us to his own glory and excellence. He's given us his precious promises. By his grace, we've become partakers of the divine nature. We're told all of the ways that God has given and all of the ways that God has redeemed and he has made us his own and all of the manifold blessings he's given to us and then given all of these blessings secured for us by Jesus, given the fact that we have been saved, we're called to add to our faith in the following way, to supplement our faith in the following way. We're called to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. Note especially knowledge as one of the things that we're called to add to our faith. That's the one that I think can be forgotten. We talk a lot as Christians, as we should, about virtue. We talk a lot about Christians, as we should, about love. We don't talk as much, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think that we talk as much about knowledge, that the redeemed of God come to know more about God. But this makes perfect sense, doesn't this? If you love someone you get to know that person. If you love someone, you get to know that person better and better and better. You know, I love my wife, and so I find out things about her. You would be skeptical of that claim if you were like, so Derek, when's Aubrey's birthday? I was like, I don't know. What's Aubrey's favorite things to do? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I should try to figure that out. How many kids does she have? Oh, I don't know that one. That's uh... (laughs) a... If I didn't know those things, you'd start to be like, do you really love Aubrey? (laughs) It wouldn't be all that clear, right? If you know someone, if, if you love someone, you get to know that person. If you love someone, you get to know them better. If you love the Lord, that means that you need to learn about him, that you need to get to know him better. That means you read scripture. That means you pray. That means you come to church. That means you study him. So the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to worship and to serve and to learn about God. And then here's the way that our mission statement ends. And by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel to our community and to the world. That's the last part of this. Let me let let you in on a secret here. Let me let you in on a secret. The, The last part of this, and by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel to our community and to the world, that is basically just stolen from Acts 1. That's not original work here. That's basically just stolen from Acts chapter 1. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. This tells us about the ascension of Jesus into heaven. In Acts chapter 6, this is what's recorded for us. 
Acts chapter 1, sorry, starting at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens, he went, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you look standing into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus says to his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And receiving power, they would be his witnesses to Jerusalem And then Judea, that's the broader area around Jerusalem. And then Samaria, that's the broader region still. And then to the very ends of the earth. Do you see how how we kind of stole that part of our church's mission? By the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, we take the gospel to our community and to the world. The one who's transformed by the Holy Spirit becomes fruitful and becomes a witness for the Lord. Now this can be a challenge for us. Sometimes our hearts can become captive more to politeness than to Christ. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bucham in our series Grounded in Christ, Growing in Christ, where we explore the core mission, vision, and convictions of our church, focusing on the centrality of Christ in word and in our lives. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.